welcome to the OT Digest podcast. I'm your host, Katie Kasparo, the founder of otgraphically.com, where I synthesize research into visually appealing graphics. On this podcast, we take research and make it more fun and interesting in order to quickly hear the most updated evidence all around the world. I interview authors, share research tips, and provide practical examples that I hope you can use and incorporate into your interventions the very next day. Thanks for listening. Welcome everyone to the OT Digest podcast. I'm your host, Katie Kasparo. And today we're going to be talking about the evidence behind burnout, especially specifically for healthcare professionals. Burnout is characterized by feeling feelings of emotional exhaustion, depersonalization, and reduced personal accomplishment. But I'm not going to sit here and tell you that burnout is real and it's an issue. You already know that. In a study of six university-affiliated hospitals that have been taking care of COVID-19 patients, 53% experienced high levels of burnout. Another study showed that 53.2% of pharmacists reported having one area of burnout, for example, emotional exhaustion, depersonalization, or reduced personal accomplishment, and were at high risk of burnout. Now, what I'm going to do from here is share from the evidence what actually helps and what interventions are showing to be promising to support this global issue of healthcare workers burning out and leaving the profession altogether. Before, before I do that, I think an elephant in the room is that burnout is also impacted by our environment, the healthcare system. Saying burnout is only a personal flaw a lack of resilience, or a work ethic issue is putting it on the person and is not fair. When the environmental forces are putting pressure on the healthcare workers to adjust and adapt to the point of breaking, that can be really challenging. And the word burnout itself can also feel shameful and harmful. Is it our fault as healthcare professionals that we're forced to work more and more and fit more and more patients into a shorter amount of time? Is it fair that we care so much that we'll continue to do it because we want to help people? And that's why we got into the profession in the first place. How about documenting during our sessions when we can't look people in the eye and actually hear what's going on with them, all to save time and increase revenue? Before I continue, I want to make sure I make this point. You are impacted by your system. If you feel burnt out, it's not just you. However, right now we're living in the broken healthcare system. How do we make do in the day-to-day right now and handle struggling through it when we just can't keep going? As occupational therapists, we learn about how our environment is such a big part of shaping our day-to-day activities. So thinking of the environment makes sense why some of these interventions I'm about to discuss have been proven to be effective. I'll include, I've included both personal and environmental interventions because I think that's really important for this issue to be addressed from both sides. As I mentioned before, the first intervention is practicing mindfulness and yoga, specifically mindfulness-based stress reduction. 
This has been shown to have promising results in supporting reducing employee burnout and decreasing stress within the workplace. Another study found that yoga and meditation is helpful in reducing burnout for physicians and nurses and had a positive and significant clinical effect. The next intervention is being outside in nature, which makes total sense. Uh, It's showing to be more and more helpful for workers to have nature-based interventions provided by their employer or their organization to help prevent burnout, but also prevent or would also support recovery of burnout. The next intervention is professional coaching. And now this is different from mentorship, which the person who is the mentor has superior knowledge to the person that is the mentee. Professional coaching does not have to be done by a healthcare professional. It can be someone who is not actually knowing the day-to-day clinical work, but is focused on having the person helping the person navigate their professional life, their choices, and the direction of their career by guiding them through a process. It's associated with a lot of positive effects, including job satisfaction, resilience, and quality of life. All good things. The next intervention is using healthcare teams. Having the ability to work alongside someone, ask questions, and be able to bounce ideas off one another, that's something I've personally found to be very effective when I feel stuck or starting to feel burnt out. And this could be two or more healthcare professionals who work collaboratively, or it could be a big team. But they all work with their patients and their caregivers to help accomplish shared goals together. This can help increase clinician well-being and can be a really big game changer. So, and even though smaller companies, those smaller companies can use this as a tool. Lastly, Rethinking documentation is important. A lot of times we're documenting, we have all this data that we really can't even pull from and it's just clogging up the system. A lot of times it's being done for insurance purposes, but a lot of the times we're just focused on getting it done, copying, pasting, and maybe even sharing information that's not necessary or excessive. How can we streamline this process? So we're documenting clinical improvements and reducing the amount of time we are spending facing a computer so we can spend more time focusing on patients. Some people argue that having clinicians focusing on coding issues or more administrative tasks takes them away from using their highly specialized clinical knowledge and is a misuse of that. There are many companies, especially tech companies, trying to help focus on making documentation a simple, streamlined process where people can get back to doing the care that they were educated for. If you're interested in learning if you're at risk for burnout, there is a self-assessment from the company Mind Tools, and I'll link that in the show notes as well, as well as all these articles I'm sharing. The last thing I wanted to share is there's a great resource of another OT named Erica Del Pozo, who owns Joy Energy Time. That's a resource I found really helpful, and I've used a lot of other of her resources in the past. And it's helpful because it's very specific to OT, but it can also help other healthcare professionals as well. One of my favorite moments was when we were able to do a healthcare hangout and I got to meet other people that were healthcare workers in our area. So thank you, Erica, for all the work you've done with that. At the end of the day, I just want you to know that there's a lot of pieces at play with burnout. There are also a lot of people trying to figure out what helps. 
And I think it's the responsibility of both the worker as well as the organization to really tackle this issue. Because we know you can't thrive in an environment that's broken. If you have any questions or any other interventions that you know of that help burnout, please let us know in our Instagram page at OT Graphically. I think this is a topic that many people know about, but a lot of people don't know how to address. So let's share this information so people can heal and be able to get back to the work they love doing. That's all for today. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you.